Hey guys, it's another Tuesday, and I did what you guys thought might never happen, or at least Tanya. I got Lex Michael on the podcast. We discuss the bright side of bad movies, and of course go on like a million tangents. It's me and Lex Michael. Enjoy. It's Mrs. Brightside. Uh, open up the curtains. Look outside. What's outside? It's Mrs. Brightside. Cool. Great. What yeah. do we? How does this work? Do you kind of send? Do you? No. Or do you, you just think we just we're just in. Like we're just in right away. Yeah. I just uh, I'll intro, do the intro of the show. You're listening to uh, Mrs. Brightside, where the glass is always half full. I'm your host, Lucretia Lyon, and with me today, finally, is. It's Lex Michael. It's me. That was that was so smooth, that transition. I didn't know when it was going to start, and then all of a sudden, we were in it. Well, yeah, because that, that's how I like to do it, is make it, you know, we just get in it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're here. We're here. It happened so quickly that I didn't have time to get... It's like when you go to the doctor, and you know they're going to give you a shot, and they're like, okay, we're going to count to three, and before they even say one, they jab you with the needle, and it's you're like, ah, oh, that really wasn't so bad at all. I barely noticed it happening. It was like that. Wow. I'm like a really good nurse. Really yeah. good nurse. Can you slap that on all of your branding? Mrs. Yeah. Brightside, the really good nurse. And everybody is going to be like, what does that mean? I'm super intrigued. Let me listen to this show. They're going to listen to an episode and they're going to go, "I that was great. I'm no closer to knowing what the nurse thing means. I better go back through the entire catalog and stream and download all of the episodes. So I listen to them each twice just in case I miss it. And that's your numbers, man. Your numbers are going to go way up. I'm telling you, the nurse the nurse line on all of it. Hello, nurse. Right. And then they'll be like, that's whimsical. That reminds me of, like, the Animaniacs. I yeah. love the, who doesn't love the Animaniacs? And then suddenly you get that Animaniacs bump. Yeah. I mean, and who doesn't want the Animaniacs bump? Aren't they coming back, right? Like, aren't yeah. they doing it right? So, like, perfect time, perfect time to align your brand with Animaniacs in a way that they can't sue you for. Well, I don't know. Maybe they would like to align their brand with me because when I was a little kid, my dad used to say we were the Animaniacs because there was three of us as his kids. See, now I'm picturing that based on what I know of your family (laughs) and the members of your family that I've met. And now I need that program. Yeah. When is Netflix going to offer me that particular anime? I feel like that's a good blend of like the the animated show that Bill Burr does. I feel like if you did, which I, is it the F, F is for family? Is that his show? Uh, I think so. I don't know. I haven't watched that one yet. I'm behind on my animated stuff. I haven't, I, but I, like, I've seen the promo stuff, so I have a general idea for the feel and the texture of it. Like, that smashed together with Animaniacs is how I picture, like, an that was like a, a sprinkling of King of the Hill on top of it, is yeah, how I picture, that yeah, era. your family is, as cartoons. <laughs> yeah. None of, none of this is why we're here today. None of it, but I love talking about cartoons. Um, I guess it is sort of because it's about fandom, and it's yeah, true. Yeah. And that does sound like a pretty bad movie. <laughs> it does. It sounds quite quite terrible. But but to the point that I, I I'm hoping to touch on, uh, there is in fact a bright side to bad movies, and it's a bright side that a lot of people I think a lot of people in certain niche communities are aware of. There's obviously some notoriously bad movies that have big cult followings, but I think very broadly, right the um, uh, your, your typical uh, audience member as consumer. I feel like there is a tendency in the discourse, you've heard me talk about this so much, there's a tendency in discourse surrounding all forms of media, for me it usually comes up in relation to movies, where people will just, if it didn't do quite what they wanted it to, they'll just be like, oh it sucked. They'll just write it off entirely, won't engage with it any further, and that's it. They plant their flag 
there. And even if you look at the thing that they are deriving and you arrive ultimately at a similar conclusion about its quality, there's no room for a conversation to be had there. And I think there's so much you can learn about the craft of filmmaking, the craft of storytelling, of character construction and development from works that don't pull it off very well. Yeah. Almost like as a reverse blueprint. I think there's so much gold to be mined from examining and discussing work that is quote unquote bad. If we're going to use such a, a broad, that also drives me nuts is how broad that is. Like what bad in what sense? Uh, then of course it reduces art to a binary and art isn't necessarily, doesn't exist on a good, bad binary spectrum. There's a lot more there. So that's, I guess, because it's clearly like I've been, I've been ruminating over this for some time. That's why it's taken us so long to get to this episode, even though the fans have been clamoring for your legs. Well, not for nothing, Our right? Fan. Like you, the one person. <laughs> hi, Tanya. Uh, the, uh, the, um, but like, no, it, it took a while because I, I, I knew kind of generally what I wanted to talk about, but I still was not quite sure how I wanted to talk about it. Because yeah, we could go way into the weeds about individual fandoms and how. Lately, we've been faced with the inescapable reality that some of our fandoms that, that we've considered ourselves parts of for a long time are also full of, like, garbagey garbage people, which... I think most people are garbagey garbage people, and I know that doesn't sound bright sidey of me, but to be honest, it's just like, well, most people suck, but you can't think about life that way. Like, we, and we yeah. can spin it, right? We yeah. can spin it. The bright side to most people <laughs> sucking is that when you find the gems, they seem uh, that much more valuable. And they bring that much more light and positivity and wonder into your life because everyone else sucks so hard. All right. Now we have Mr. Brightside, you know, replacing Adam Carolla and now myself because that was just uh, spot on. Yeah. Took it over. Yeah. It's a coup. <laughs> um, but like, no, with this, by the end of this discussion, it's actually going to be like five different shows in one. Yeah. It's just going to be, it's going to be the bright side of uh, bad movies. It's going to be the bright side of how terrible everybody is. Uh, the bright side of nuclear holocaust, maybe fewer people. The bright uh, side of cannibal holocaust. So I'd be all about that. I like that movie. Uh, but they were really mean to that that tortoise. They yeah, killed that the was crap out cool. of that tortoise. No, no. But what a thing. But but yeah. but hey, what a fascinating conversation there is to be had about cannibal holocaust, a movie that I think, by all accounts, is quote unquote bad. Yeah. Uh, but but the message, it, it, that's what I always tell people, the message in that movie is actually very good. The movie itself... Remind not, me, okay, I saw, sorry, I saw Cannibal Holocaust once and we're talking like a decade ago, probably. What is the message of that movie? So, the, essentially the message is these American people who come down and, you know, again, are filming these savages and treating them as such are the true savages, not the, okay. you know, cannibalistic tribe. So, like, yeah. we are the real walking dead, like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Great. The message is good. <laughs> well, we really accomplished something today. End of show. Did you? Um, no, but, like, uh, uh, what? For, for me, I guess, like, yeah, that's, that's my big, I guess my big point of contention with the discourse is this, uh, we've lost sight of the fact or a lot of us have, have willfully turned away from the idea that it isn't a binary. It's not just good, bad. Some of the best pieces of art you've ever seen, some of the best, let's, let's keep it for the purpose of this discussion. Let's focus on movies. Some of the best movies you've ever seen are not perfect. Uh, some of the most beloved movies of all time are not perfect. Uh, some of the most derided movies of all time have one or two elements that tr truly, truly, truly work. 
Um, I don't know why. The, you know the example that just popped into my head? Uh, have you seen Sucker Punch? Yeah. Okay. Where do you come down on Sucker Punch? I like it because we'll probably get into this later. Zack Snyder may not always understand his points, but he is a good director, especially visually. He's actually yeah. Zack Snyder is yeah. actually a perfect example yeah. of of uh, some uh, or his, his body of work is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, because his work tends to elicit very strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, and and I go back and forth sometimes as far as where I, I come down overall on a particular movie of his. But yes, it cannot be denied. The dude is is truly singular in his ability to craft aesthetics. Like you can see an image, uh, a big kinetic action image, but just because of the framing, the way it's shot, the way it moves, you can tell like that's that's a that's a Snyder. Yeah. Um. But but you have to you have to. You have to examine both sides of it, right? Because take, like, Sucker Punch, for example. A lot of lot of very mixed feelings about mm. it. And if you watch Sucker Punch, it's very easy to understand why feelings are so mixed. Yeah. There are so many different angles you can approach this movie from. And I would be the first person to say, it. a lot of it doesn't really work. A lot of it, you see what he's going for, and what he's going for I think is very cool. But a lot of it straight up doesn't work. But within this movie, that, that doesn't work is arguably, weirdly, if inadvertently misogynist as hell, etc., etc., etc. There is a sequence in the middle of this movie... Actually, I want to say, like, meh, first third. And it's a musical number with uh, Oscar Isaac and Carla Gugino. And it's this musical I number where it's like, Love is the Drug yeah. is this song. Uh, that sequence, not for nothing, for my money, maybe the best piece of directing that Snyder has ever done. Just as far as, like, not overly bombastic, not throwing a whole bunch of noise and crazy spectacle images right in your face. Just filmmaking. Just a piece of filmic storytelling set to music carried by performance. And I think it's a spectacular, <clears throat> spectacularly executed and directed sequence within this movie that is, uh, at best, super problematic for a lot of people. And that's that, I think, is my point, right? Like, every movie you're ever going to see is a mixed bag. No matter how great its reputation is or how shitty its reputation is, there's always going to be layers to it. There's always going to be multiple facets to it. And again, I feel like it's it's a bummer for me because if it's not already clear, I love movies so dang much. I love talking about it. I love analyzing it. I love exploring story. I love exploring the function of certain decisions within the story being told, of characterization within the story being told, etc., etc., etc. Every single time I get excited to have a conversation about a movie, even a movie that I acknowledge is a very mixed bag, and I am met immediately with some version of, oh, that sucked. It is so disheartening. Oh, I like. Yeah. I'm still. I'm trying to like learn how to take it in stride a little more. But every time, it is so disheartening. Well, yeah, because you know, keeping on the Snyder track, there. I mean, I you know constantly display my dissatisfaction with aspects of Batman v Superman, but I own a huge Watchmen poster, Zack Snyder's Watchmen, in my house. And while that movie has plenty of problems as well, same thing with missing some of the points, you know, of the comic book, it is a beautiful film, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I saw it in theater more than once. I own it on Blu-ray. I love that movie. I, you know... I, I feel like I love no. Watchmen despite myself sometimes, yeah. and it's lar it largely is because there are a couple of points in the movie where it does feel like he missed... Point. Yeah. I specifically, I feel like we've talked about this yeah. specifically when. Um, so, so Watchmen 
Watchmen's about a lot of things, but very broadly, uh, very, very, very broadly, it's what if these superheroes, these masked-powered vigilantes, existed in a world that more closely resembled ours, and not in a, oh, wouldn't that be so uh, fantastical and wonderful and exciting? No, wouldn't that be horrifying? Wouldn't that be a truly horrific, dangerous world to live in? Uh, and so there's this sequence where uh, Night Owl, uh, Dan Dryberg, and uh, Lori Jupiter, who's uh, the new Silk Spectre, are, they're walking through an alley after a, a date, right? And they get mugged. And the muggers don't know that they're dealing with a pair of ex-costume vigilantes. So uh, Night Owl and Silk Spectre turn the tables on their attackers. And the way it's depicted in the, the book it's so, it's so harsh and it's so violent and it's an ugly, nasty, scary thing. And these two characters are so damaged that they literally get off on it. Like they commit, they beat these dudes to a pulp. I mean, very violently and not necessarily all that heroic way. No. Uh, and then they go have sex because it gets them so like, it gets them so hot to do that. In their own, not that heroic way. <laughs> uh, we don't talk about Dr. Horrible anymore enough. Yeah, well, I will never let it die. Uh, fuck it. Like, I just want Joss Whedon to come back from whatever island he's been on to finally make, like, you. he's got to have a big chunk of Avengers money sitting uh, in, under his floorboards. Just buy, buy a week of everybody's time. I know Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion and Felicia Day and... and, and Moist. Yeah, I just uh, call Simon Helbert. No, I know, yeah. I know Simon Helbert's name. I just always, I'm like, hey, it's moist. Yeah, uh, moist. Buy a week moist. of their time, man. We can yeah. get we can get them off the stuff for one week with your Avengers money, please. For it just only has to be forty more minutes. And that's pretty much the only thing I prefer Josh Week make at this point is more Doctor <laughs> Horribles. Everything else, because going back to problematic things, is like, yeah. That's a, that's a different yeah. discussion. Oh, no. I have so yeah. That's a hmm. anyway. Uh, yeah, they so. get off on it in the comics. And that was one of the more disturbing scenes, which you wanted to see in a weird way. Whereas in yeah. the movie, when we get to that scene, same same things happen. But the depiction in the movie is such that it glorifies it. It's like, look how awesome. It's very much like Zack Snyder yeah. shooting action. It's like, look at that fucking cool and sexy and awesome this is. Look at them being heroes and giving evil broken bones. Hell yeah. That's about as far from the point as I think you could get and still be making that movie. Well, and this is where I'll say, is that I, I just want to give Zack Snyder a hug. And I do... Oh, I, and like, I feel so bad, yeah. like, right now, like, the dude doesn't need... This is not to dump yeah. on Zack Snyder. This yeah. is just, this is to make a point, because yeah. that's a big issue I have with that movie, but there is so much else in that movie that is that pulled up spectacularly, and I don't want that to get lost in the discussion, because we fixate on the stuff that doesn't necessarily work, which is kind of my point. But yes, yeah. I would kind of like to give Zack Snyder a hug, too. Because it's very clear that he he interprets things in an, in a very different way than the average person who has read this. Because, like, his depiction of Watchmen was more heroic, and while Superman, not so much. And I actually tend to agree that Superman's a little bit of a douche, but his version is Depends. not even a douche. He's, oh, I think his version's a super douche <laughs> yeah i mean it's more just like he doesn't have a personality is like Dude, what i'll see and then but he also is okay with killing people i don't want to make the whole conversation about this but it yeah. completely tracks for me why he was a better fit for Watchmen than he was for superman the dude is obsessed with ayn rand yeah that that philosophy can actually fit 
the characters and world of Watchmen, specifically because those characters and world are supposed to be horrifying, as is uh, all of Ayn Rand's bullshit. Uh, <laughs> but you try to apply that to Superman, that is, about, once again, about as spectacular a missing of the point of the character as is possible. Yeah, because Superman is supposed to represent as, you know, the DC version of Captain America. What represents all good which is, which in, in the world and everything, yeah. It's interesting that you put it that way because really it, it's it, it's sort of the reverse, right? Like, Marvel Studios did yeah. their version of Superman and now Captain America yeah. is arguably the best movie Superman that we've ever had. Yeah, because I will say, comic-wise, like, that that is the thing. Is DC Superman sort of have done that first because Captain America, I believe, existed a little bit, you know, uh, ahead of the time sometimes, but the Captain America that we have in the Marvel movies is not, is more Superman than the Captain America in the comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think, I don't think it's a controversial opinion to to suggest that Chris Evans' Captain America is the best iteration of Captain America that there has ever been across any media. Because as I always thought, the Captain America in the comics, kind of a douche. He kind of is a douche, and sometimes they lean into it really hard, yeah. and it's like, well, at least they know. Yeah. Uh, where were we? I don't know. Um, Zack Snyder makes good movies sometimes. sometimes. But, then, the, but, yeah. but my point is, right, like, just about everything that you're ever going to see is a mixed bag. And it's, it's for me, it's like about, it's about, there's so much more to be, to be gained, not just from the conversation, but there's so, right, we live, uh. You know, you know why it bums me out so much more now than it used to? We live in sunny Los Angeles, California, which is, uh, uh, that's where they make all the movies, kids. Yeah. They don't necessarily shoot them all here. They shoot plenty of things in Atlanta and, and, you know, and Vancouver, in, in Vancouver and, Todd, and Toronto. And, right. They yeah. shoot plenty of places, but like it all, all the business funnels out of, of here, essentially. Well, here in, in New York. But you get yeah. my point. Point is Los Angeles, movies, TV. Wow. Uh, filmmaking, exciting yeah. artists everywhere. Uh, it bums me out so much more now. When I bump up against people being so quickly uh, and casually dismissive of a piece of art in its entirety when they also claim to want to create. Yeah, like that is the person who's most annoying here in L.A. I'd take a desperate actor over anyone who just like shits on art and then wants to make it. It's like... Yeah, critics are kind of the worst. Or some of these people, it's like they're not even critics. They just have a YouTube channel. And I can't throw stones at that. But um, but yeah, they just have a YouTube channel where they go and shit on all these products. And then also, they're probably people who don't pay for Hulu or Netflix. or oh, I want to punch those people in the dick. And and for me, too, I'm not suggesting either that like you, you should never have a negative opinion about it. No, movie. sometimes just, stuff just isn't good. Yeah, sometimes things flat out don't work. But... There is still, I, I was thinking about this all day today, and I can't remember the movie it was, and it's driving me up a wall, but it was a movie that I think a lot of people saw, and I don't, I don't remember what it was, but it was a movie that did not really work for me, but, I, and it sounds silly, I swear to God, I genuinely dug the sound design of this movie, <laughs> yeah. and that literally got me through the movie, I'm like, the sound design in this is pretty rad, and it wasn't even that it stuck out all that much, it was just like, I really like the way that they are layering their their sound effects in this movie like it works really really well for me yeah and that's because you try to look on the bright side of things or like but i I see a lot of these people like they're looking to be mad i mean i went to a quiet place and then with some people an early screening and which was essentially a pretty 
perfect movie. Not everything tracked as well, you know, but it was like, you know what? How can you have much of a complaint about this movie? I feel movie? like that's, given that that's yeah. the story that yeah. they were telling, I feel like that's about, like, that's optimal execution of that concept. Yeah, the only thing I said was I made a joke about, if they're supposed to be quiet, why is she pregnant? Like, um, there, there were, that, look, that I was had the same, funny, there, Right, there were a couple of logic things that I bumped up against, too, and it's hard to really, like, get into them without without it spoiling the movie yeah. for people who haven't seen it, but... Yeah, like, like again, like, there were things I bumped up against, and I could sit there and I could go, w logic, this movie's bad because there's no logic, which also spectacularly misses the point yeah. of art. Yeah. Uh, you do want it to track, but it gets to, like, this is a bit of a sidebar, but not really. Uh, it doesn't actually matter that much if a movie makes logical sense. It, it it helps, but it really only matters if a movie makes sense emotionally. Yeah, and we watch Legends of Tomorrow and do the after show for that show. That All show I need no, is one little line. That show makes no sense. Yeah, it like, doesn't. We know, and we love that. We love that show. We've been talking about it yeah. publicly for three as long as there has been a Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. We do it because we love, love that show. That show doesn't make a lick of damn sense week to week. But it is the best CW show, and and that's because and too, it's because they'll give you one little line, and that's all you need. It's like, yeah, this is why we couldn't do that this time, or that's this, this is this, and I'm like, you know what? That's all you I needed. Yeah, I'll take it. Fine, I'll take it. It's fine. But yeah, like I was, you know, watching a quiet place with some people, and then the reactions to them was they were looking for stuff to be mad about. It's like I hated this kid. I can't believe they did that. They could have easily gotten away without doing that big emotional blow. And I'm like, I wonder, like, where? What? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah. I honestly, I think it's it's obviously to me it seems obvious that it's a direct byproduct of the social media age and every everybody feeling like they have to have something loud to say to be relevant, hmm. and it's a lot easier it really is a lot easier and a lot lazier to jump to like oh, i'm just gonna here's the thing that i didn't love so i'm just gonna slam dunk on it super yeah. hard and that counts as an opinion hell yeah and it's that i guess yeah. but stop it yeah because i'm just like i thought this movie was very good i thought that they did a really good job of uh doing the emotional tension well, and not for nothing. it's like you cannot like you can also no. not like a movie yeah and not insist that because it didn't work for you personally it must be poorly put together yeah that drives me up a wall too man like that's seriously that's just like i'm just i start to get like i just quietly start clenching my fists when i hear somebody talk about like how they didn't particularly like a thing and then they do the left brain logic work backwards business to justify to themselves that like oh it's not it's not that i didn't like it because it doesn't work it clearly doesn't work because I didn't like it. And it's like, it's, you know, like, you know, like, yeah. you can see, you can see my face changing. I was just like, I don't even know how to combat that because that's so, to me, is so backwards as far as an approach to art. Like I was having a conversation with a friend of mine recently. We were talking about a movie and it doesn't really even matter what we were talking about. I can barely remember. Um, but he was talking about how there was a big, there's like some big action sequences in the movie that he didn't feel, he felt worked, but got like so overindulgent at a certain point that he felt like he was being battered with them a little bit. And the way he phrased it, and it's like, I got, I totally got the point that he was trying to make, so I didn't get stuck on it. But the way he phrased it was at a certain point, I feel like they were doing things just to do them and not for my enjoyment. And I got what he meant. Yeah. So in that context, I didn't get stuck on it, but I was thinking about that phrasing. Yeah. Wasn't there for my enjoyment? Yeah, and, I, and I'm like, but but here's the thing, right? I guess I get how people get it in their heads that they should approach it that way, right? Because m movies, especially, especially like big uh, corporate finance movies, obviously they exist to make money. 
which means, by extension, they are there for an audience. They are there, presumably, all art is there on some level to be appreciated, or at the very least, taken in. So in a sense, it is there for other people. But it would never, me personally, it would never occur to me that any movie, a song, a piece of television, a painting, whatever, was there specifically for my personal enjoyment. It's, it's there. It is what it is. If I, I'm not going to compare... You know what? Yes, I am. I am going to compare Avengers Infinity War to the Mona Lisa. If I'm going to go and look at the... If I'm going to go to the... Is it at the Louvre still? If I'm going to go to the, the Louvre, where I think it is, and yes. look at the Mona Lisa, I'm not going in going, all right, Mona Lisa, impress me. Let's see what you got. Yeah, I, I don't buy that smile. This doesn't work for me. This painting sucks. I'm going to go in and I'm going to be like, this, this is what it is. This is what the thing is. I can take it or leave it. They didn't paint it for me. It is what it is. I take it in. I consider it from different angles, different facets. I, I try and explore it uh, within my mind. I try and, and uh, key in on like if it's making me feel something, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then the relationship you have with the thing might be entirely your own. But the thing isn't there for you personally. The Mona Lisa is not there for you personally any more than... Like the new Avengers movie is, or or guess what? This is news to some people. Star Wars: The Last Jedi wasn't made for you personally, uh, anti SJW Meninist. It just it wasn't. It's it's just there. You can take it or leave it, and you're allowed to leave it. But it's not there for you. Oh yeah, it is sad how many people like because I'll I'll say like sometimes it is frustrating when say uh, like Zack Snyder's interpretation of Superman isn't the Superman that I say no. But guess what? Zack Snyder gets to decide that because he's the one who made the fucking movie, and I just have to deal with it. That's how life is. Or as you say, like um, it's a, you. Th yeah. that's an interesting example yeah. because I, I will I will also then turn around yeah. and say maybe he's not the guy to tell Superman story. Exactly. Having but, said that, yeah. they gave him the reins to tell yeah. a Superman story. That's the Superman story he decided to tell. Is it a Superman story I particularly care for? No. But am I fascinated by it in so many different ways? Absolutely. I think there was so Christopher Maloney much... was in it. Christopher Maloney, what? And he, he and killed, uh, he killed he's Toby like the, he... from the West Wing without even discussing it with him. He yeah, just he... suicided both of them. Yeah, that was really cool because it was just like... Yeah, he's the real hero of this movie, and, like, that's my interpretation. See? And see, I interpret Man of Steel as Christopher Maloney was the Man of Steel, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, Christopher Maloney is always the Man of Steel. Yeah, Buns of Steel. Uh, um, what am I saying? Right, but it's, like, but it's there, right? Yeah. And, like, and like that's, okay, that's kind of my yeah. point, right? It's, yeah, like, exactly. that's not, that's not my Superman. Yeah. Doesn't have to be. Yeah. Am I, am I... That whole that whole thing is another thing. Like Justice League was something, and now who knows what they're gonna do with that? But like, I assume at some point we'll I'm, get another we'll get another big screen Superman, even if it takes them another ten years. There will there will be another one. I'm pretty excited about Aquaman and Shazam. So I feel apparently, like apparently yeah. there was some. I think at CinemaCon yeah. they showed some yeah. Aquaman stuff, and apparently it looks it's, real good. Yeah, everything I'm hearing because James Wan is amazing. You know, talk about, about yeah. and of course your mileage is yeah. gonna vary. Talk yeah. about Justice League. Actually, perfect example. We're talking about, right? Because even Batman v Superman, I think, yeah. there's some fascinating stuff. I think that opening sequence where uh, Metropolis is falling around yeah. Bruce Wayne, I think that's a really excellently executed sequence. I think the the warehouse fight with Batman, this is an example that's always cited, but the warehouse fight with Batman near the end of the movie is 
is the most in terms of how Batman moves, and of course they they cribbed heavily from the Arkham games. But as far as how Batman moves, as far as how his fighting style is depicted, that's the, that's the only time we've ever really gotten yeah. that in a movie. That stuff's all candy to me. The rest of the movie, again, like the the mixiest of mixed bags, and then at the bottom of the bag, there's some stuff that maybe doesn't smell so good. Uh, but then Justice League, same thing. Justice League, like nobody saw it, kind of came and went, and we really were done talking about it about a week out. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I've honestly, I can't even remember a lot of stuff from Justice League because, and that's what's sad is because I was so excited about it, and then you're just like because it was kind of forgettable. And because yeah, because yeah. they couldn't, they they it's it felt like they figured some stuff out way too late like it feels it feels like they learned the right lessons from the reaction to batman v superman and they learned them far too late in the game to implement them effectively across the entire movie um but again see like bright okay ready one of the bright sides of justice league not being good as an example is that there is so 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 very much that you can learn if you don't already know about this stuff so much you can learn about the production process and how studios will occasionally make bewildering decisions that cost hundreds of millions of dollars and why they do these things and what the result is if you approach it from uh, maybe not necessarily the correct quote-unquote correct direction well i mean look at marvels and humans i mean they only they eventually had to take that and put it on abc just so it aired because they wasted so much money and they knew what i mean because i actually know a little bit behind the scenes that that really was it is they it was supposed to be a movie. It wound up being right. a TV show. Well, those because like Perlmutter yeah. was so hot on Inhumans yeah. because he was like trying to elbow out X Men basically because yeah. Fox still had the Fox still has the X Men rights until they Disney just absorbs all of us. Yeah, and for the love of God, and um, this episode will probably air after this news comes out. Fox, I saw you cancel Brooklyn Nine Nine oh, today. I saw that too. If you cancel Lucifer, I will. I saw that they canceled it, which is a bummer, because that show is, is pretty beloved. And it does well. It this And to be honest, the only reason it's coming down to the wire, from what I understand, is Disney. Because, again, I have a little bit of insider knowledge, like with the Inhuman situation. Of like, yeah, Disney doesn't like uh, Satan as a good cop sort of thing. Uh, stop it. Yeah, no Disney. Because, I mean, they made Deadpool 2 change a joke. Yeah, their reach is too far now. They, I heard something about yeah. this and I didn't look into it. Was it them that made them? Because they, I wouldn't think they have the purview to make them do that yet. I, I saw that they had to change some joke about Disney, but I thought that was a Fox decision. Well, essentially it does come down to Fox making the decision. But it's also but on behalf of yeah, Disney, their, yeah. their impending corporate over yeah. overlords, I guess, would track. Yeah. Uh, you know what, when they stop, when they stop giving me Marvel and Star Wars movies I like, I'll be angrier. I'm still, yeah. I'm still terrified of them. I'm really, like, I'm not yeah. convinced Disney doesn't own me already. I'm fairly certain they own me if you look around this apartment. <laughs> like, we haven't, we haven't, like, do you read every single, like, terms of use and service thing you, you agree to, like, word for word? No, because, that's why one day I'm gonna be a human centipede. Right, well, for all we know, right, like... We already agreed to that. Yeah. And we're just waiting for somebody in a Mickey Mouse costume to come sew us together. <laughs> oh, time to go to the camp. Oh, oh shit. crap. This wouldn't be the first time Minnie, was in, uh, Minnie and Mickey were in the camps, Wait, right? Did you just say, you did. You said time to go to the camp. 
Yeah. So in this scenario, the Disney... Is it... Okay, this is important because it's creepy either way. It's just a different kind of creepy. Is it actual, like, the Disney characters stepped off the page so it's like the quote-unquote real Mickey and Minnie? Or is it people in the suits? And it's clearly not the real ones, but they're behaving, they're committing so, so hard. Yeah, as a former costume character, never for any Disney, um, just usually Nintendo. I was Luigi. Um, I, I think it would be um, scarier if they were costume characters, people in I think costumes. so too, right? Because you have no idea what's under there. It's like, you, it's like if it's the cartoons come to life, it's almost, even if it's scary, it's almost too whimsical. You, like your brain wouldn't even know how to yeah. fully process that. But if it's people in the costumes... That oh that's real that's scary yeah oh now now Mickey and Minnie man like coming to your house or people just people in those suits coming to your house and tying you up and human centipeding you ooh and like they, they seem real tall mm-hmm. it's like Minnie's real tall and you hear both of them just like ugh, like grunting while they're moving around and shit this is terrifying yeah this needs to be a horror movie um um oh you get very sued yeah. um. What was I gonna? Oh, but something about fandoms. We like there was something about. I know, and then I went into weird you know, Mickey Mouse voice. And oh, then... I know, I know what it is. Okay, so my my brain hopped a couple yeah. of things. So you brought up Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I'm thinking yeah. about this too because like uh, uh, part of the conversation that we were having, because I was like, what do I even want to come in onto your show and talk about? Part of it was it was about movies, but then we also talked about fandom a little bit because there are so many of these fandoms now yeah. that are that are revealing themselves to need some. Some yeah. landscaping done, I guess. Uh, the same... Today, the news broke... Uh, when we are recording this, the news about uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine being canceled. They also broke the news that uh, Rick and Morty was renewed. Yes. And not renewed for another season. Renewed for, apparently, 70 more episodes. Which... Woo. Now, I don't know if that includes, like, you know, 70, like, full-length combined with short-form stuff, whatever. If they keep to their current format, that's seven more seasons of Rick and Morty. That's an insane commitment. My brain went there... Because Rick and Morty is one of those fandoms that gets tagged as being horrifically toxic, so much so that it impacts people's perception of the thing itself. To me, and, and I can't I can't disagree that there are a lot of Rick and Morty fans that I'm a Rick and Morty fan, and these folks don't represent me. And, and that's uh, the thing, too, is I'm a big fan of this, but people need to be aware, and I'm not excusing that. And by the way, you guys know who yeah. we're talking about. We're yeah. talking about, like, we're talking about the Twitter piler honors. We're talking about the public spectacle Szechuan sauce, sauce. screaming on yeah. the counter, stopping people from doing their jobs. We're talk- you, you know who we're talking about. Yeah, and two, I'm not defending these people because they are dicks, and hopefully they grow out of this. But most of these people are idiot teenagers. Behaving like idiot teenagers. And it's sad, but it's true. And we can only hope and pray to whoever um, that they grow out of it. Yes, but yeah. I think I think yeah. they're a good example. And even some of these yeah. like, nasty, bitter people who are trashing The Last Jedi over... Uh, for example, the fact yeah. that there are ladies in it. Uh, yeah, which doesn't make any sense. There's no point trying to appeal to the logic of it. Yeah. It's not logic-based. They're very mad because they feel like they're getting their toys taken away, when in fact all that's happening is they're being asked to share the toys with all of the other children. Uh, can't handle it. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, what, what these like really bad actors in fandoms do for me, 
after I hang my head and sigh deeply. I'm gonna look up Mark Hamill's Twitter because he had something interesting to say. Oh, Mark Hamill really, is a is a yeah. godsend for so many different reasons, not the least of which is the way he dunks on people on Twitter for being assholes. Um, but what what bad actors in fandoms and what you know more broadly speaking, like these bad sections of fandoms, these really toxic, invasive, uh, sometimes elitist. And, like, elitist toxicity is very exhausting. Um, what all of these subsections, these nasty subsections of fandom do for me is they they force me to interrogate my own relationship yeah. with some of this stuff. They force me to ask questions about whether or not what I've been internalizing is the stuff that I'm supposed to be internalizing. Rick and Morty fans are a great example. A lot of these, these fans that we're talking about... Uh, their understanding of it is that Rick is really the hero of the show and he's your like aspirational figure. And that's a, a, again, about as spectacular a missing of the point of the show as, as a, can be. Yeah. As a Rick myself, I know that I should not be the Rick, but the Morty is the aspirational character. If anything, I'm just that cool. And not for nothing. Yeah. No one wants to be Morty. Morty's no. life is awful. Yeah. Uh, but, ex but exactly. Actually, Jerry is the real hero. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry's, Jerry's just a no. lucky guy. Jerry's just I love lucky Jerry. Um, <laughs> He's the worst. Uh, but uh, so, so like the the ugly elements of those fandoms, I think, if there's a bright side, because there, I don't know that there is a bright side to the way that they'll like publicly uh, antagonize and pile onto certain people just for disagreeing with them. But if if you don't fall into one of those traps, the bright side of all of that noise for me is it really does. It, it moves me towards really considering even further why I'm feeling some of the things that I'm feeling about what the stories that I'm, uh, I'm taking in. Is my reaction coming from a weird place of entitlement? Is it coming from yeah. a place of like, this doesn't quite sit well with me, but it makes perfect sense. And I just have to accept it not sitting well with me for a minute and absorb it and process it to realize that it works, but I have to allow myself to get there. And the people that very aggressively won't allow themselves to get there serve as a really solid reminder for me to do the same. Well, yeah. It, the it, same being do that, not, yeah. not do that. Oh, sorry, it's playing some video on Mark Hamill's Twitter. I'll get to this in a minute because I had a good point on that. Because I was, I'm using the example of when I was that person. But be aware... We, it is a level of immaturity and it is a level of, and I'm sure we've all been there where, cause I'm going to use an example of a TV show that I didn't watch initially because it was not my green arrow and my black canary. Who the hell is this? What is that? I did not start watching Arrow simply for that reason, because I was that fan of like, you know, well, cause I grew up, like my dad was a big fan of Green Arrow and Black Canary was sort of my favorite female superhero. I was so excited for the show. And then, you know, and this is no disrespect to Katie Cassidy at all. It was the writing of her character. Right. It's like, I was, yeah. a part of me was about to say, yeah, I felt yeah. bad for Katie Cassidy. No, I didn't. She was a series regular on a network yeah. show. She's doing fine. I did feel, I felt, uh, I guess it sounds silly to say I felt bad for the character yeah. because they really didn't seem to know what to do with her character for like four years. Yeah. And, and that's sort of sad. And now, you know, as Black Siren, they've figured out what to do with her. And now we do have, you know, Diana Drake as, you know, the Black Canary that I've come to, you know, so I got my way. But I, you know, had started watching, was really excited. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I was really pissed until like, 
I think it was midway through season two. They're like, no, there's a different Black Canary and it's her sister. And I was like, that's stupid. And then I saw it. And then I saw Barry come in and them opening up for The Flash and then Deathstroke. And I'm like, wow, this show is cool. This is what I want. Like, and this is, like, it's not the same thing. Like, I'm someone who watches Gotham. Which, because I've grown out of that, it has to be what I grew up with or nothing else. Right. After watching Arrow and then really enjoying it. And I'm sorry, as a woman, it's like, he's pretty. Stephen Amell. It's like, yeah, come on. As a heterosexual man, he's pretty. (laughs) Dude's a good looking guy. Yeah. Oh, Barry, what is it? Damn. <laughs> when he's when Oliver's got this. Just quite like under his breath. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and it's just like, I wasted like starting this show from the very beginning because I was that fan. I was an asshole. That's right. Like, I was talking to a buddy of mine because, yeah. like, yes, it's no, if you listen to me talk about anything and I try not to harp on this too much or it would be all I talk about. I, I'm a hardy. I'm a Marvel zombie. I yeah. love the. I love these movies, even the bad ones. I love them. The quote unquote bad ones. Again, yeah. shorthand. Because if we want to talk about it, I can. Right? Like I'm not as a hard rule. If I'm going to say something's bad, I better have a line of thinking, uh, a rationalization, a reasoning behind that. Or I don't get to say it. Yeah, because uh, to me, I'm trying to think of like you know other than like Fantastic Four and stuff that are like. Yeah, out of the MCU. Oh, I mean specifically the Marvel Studios. Okay. Like Iron Man, everything where if you can meet an Avenger, I'm talking about the Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, which ones of those are bad? Because honestly, at some point, I sort of enjoy all of them in a way. Some of them don't work. I would say like Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor the Dark World. But even then... There's stuff I like. Yeah, oh yeah, Thor the Dark World. Uh, I, I like Zachary Levi, isn't it? You like Zachary and, Levi? No, honestly, like, this actually, <laughs> we, can, we can hit two points, right? Like, like Thor the Dark World, even, even... Yeah, the Thor 1 that, isn't even great either. Thor 1 gets a lot of hate it doesn't deserve. Yeah. Thor 1 is a much better movie than people it's, it's realize like it is. It's a good movie, because I really like um, Skarsgård. It's yeah. just the problems it has are big, yeah. and you can't really ignore them. Um, but so much more of that movie works really well than doesn't work. But even Thor 2, where so much of that movie doesn't work, and there's very little that does, I would say all of the Thor and Loki stuff, genuinely good. Yeah. And there's gen- there's stuff you can actually, it depends on, I'm, t- I'm going on a tangent of a tangent, bear with me. When people talk about, oh, these movies are just empty calories, right? They can be, if that's how you want to engage with them. If you want to actually invest and engage further and, and really like bring yourself to it and, and apply yourself and your experiences onto it, you can get back a lot more. Uh, why did I go on that tangent? Don't remember. Yeah. Seemed relevant. Anyway. Yeah, because uh, I actually like the Ed Norton Incredible Hulk. I feel really like interesting Yeah, stuff and there. that's what I'll say. I was like, I wouldn't even consider that as bad as most people say it. I feel like it in the first Thor... They're not as enjoyable as some of this other stuff, but overall, I think they're okay. At Thor The Dark World, I will agree. I, other than Zachary Levi and then Loki and things, it was very boring. But now they fought with Ragnarok, they finally got Thor. Oh, yeah, that movie, that movie rules. That I know, movie it's like one of the best out, ones. Yeah, that, movie, that movie rules. But I know a lot of uh, people don't like Doctor Strange, and I'm like, really? I love Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange also yeah. has some... Yeah. I love Doctor Strange, yeah. too, but it also has some issues. Even before we get into the conversation yeah. about the the cultural appropriation and whitewashing, which I watched it again recently, and, like, that stuff all feels so much weirder when you realize that, like, Wong, your one principal Asian character, is sidelined as hard as he is. 
Before we even get to all that, though, I don't think it's like a, that's it's not even close to Iron Fist. So, <laughs> to, to be fair, uh, but that one too, like you know how a lot of people will take shots at Marvel, saying that their humor always feels forced and tacked on. I call bullshit on that, but yeah, because Benedict was spot on in that movie. I will say he well, he was great, but I will yeah. say Doctor Strange is yeah. one example where a lot of the jokes felt tacked on to me. Yeah. The like one, the running one name thing felt that actually did feel very forced, and it felt like we didn't need it because it felt like the dynamic between Strange and Wong was funny enough yeah. as it is. Again, mixed bag. And you can acknowledge certain problematic elements with the movie while also at the same time acknowledging that there are so many elements of that movie that work really well. So here's how we can use the Marvel movies to, to blend the what really is two separate but related topics I'm talking about. There's a lot of really interesting shit in, say, Doctor Strange is an example. There's also a lot of problematic shit. You can take the good with the less good and you can have a much richer conversation for it and a much richer relationship with the thing itself. But also... Just talking about the Marvel movies, and I set this up, I call myself a massive Marvel fan, I'm blown away. Like, there's literally, there is literally an Infinity Gauntlet movie now. Yep. And, and quote-unquote, fans are still finding things to bitch about. Like, the, the entitlement from some people. Like, this isn't exactly the Infinity Gauntlet movie they wanted. Or, hmm, well, Hulk seems a little depowered from the comics, so no, not my movie. Whatever. And it's like, guys. Or some people just said, the emotional beats didn't hit as hard as I expected, so I was a little disappointed. Give me a break. <laughs> it, like, guys, it's like, that one, that one's slightly different. Yeah. That, one at least, like, that one at least doesn't reek of entitlement to me. No, it was just you know like, I mean? oh, man. I will say. Yeah. I will say, uh, sidebar, I've now seen this thing like four times. It took me till like the fourth time for some of the, the big emotional beats to actually fully resonate with me because I think it took me that many times for me to like actually process the entire yeah. movie because there's so much fucking There's so stuff much into it. Um, but my point is, right, like maybe it's your bag, maybe it's not. There's great stuff there. It's like, but, I, but yeah, there's so much good in it. That's the thing, it's like it's not perfect. No movie is perfect. But there's so much good stuff, because I'm sorry, the Thor and the uh, rocket stuff so, is adorable. So You're a sweet rabbit. It's so good. Yeah. Um, right, uh, but also, You're too, a like, dude. He's a man. What I, what I appreciate, too, is people, is, is people who are willing to engage in a nuanced way, willing to say, like, and, and, yeah, Infinity War is a big, everybody's seen it now. The, the, I, it's probably not super likely, but the fact that anybody's saying that two billion dollars is actually a possibility not necessarily a likely yeah. one but it's in the discussion what that means is if you're listening to this you've probably seen it at least once so it's just an easy example to go to yeah. um i really appreciate people whose bag these movies aren't who's who maybe didn't even necessarily like this movie all that much and are still able to engage enough or in a nuanced enough way to say you know not for me didn't really blow me away, but the fact that they pulled something this massive and ambitious off with even a moderate degree of competence is staggeringly impressive. Yeah, because we're talking about all of the MCU, with the exception of a few characters. Like, in a movie really being utilized. And, like, and everyone like we crazy. didn't see, we're going to see. In the next, next one, I'm sure. Year. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. presumably, like, 
I don't know. Valkyrie's doing some stuff. I know that was one of that was pretty disappointed in not making it, but but they yeah, but like yeah. but like there's no way it, it occurred to me before they officially said now we're just tangents of tangents of tangents yeah. uh, before they officially said anything I was sitting there going there's literally no way they're dumb enough to kill Tessa Thompson off oh, screen yeah. like there's no way that happens because we don't get a mention of Valkyrie I'm like oh okay so we'll absolutely she yeah she'll show up like with Korg and Meek at the same time as like Kraglin in the big ship and Captain Marvel when they all have to like it'll be like one of those panels in every more recent uh marvel crossover where it's just they're in space and it's like every ship you can think of and it's like you can't even process what is happening uh, on this double splash page because there's just too much going on it's going to be like that and that's when they're well yeah it's just like craglin's uh in infinity war but it's very brief no he's not he isn't? No, I could... Sean Gunn is credited, but yeah. he's on set rocket. Yeah, just on set rocket, because I thought that there was, like, a brief mention of the ship, at least. Or an, no, you know, I don't no. think so. No. I don't think, because, like, James Gunn was asked yeah. about it on Twitter, because yeah. they keep asking, like, where's Kraglin? Kraglin and he's, yeah. like, he's basically like, I'm glad everybody cares about Kraglin so much. He's, yeah. he's off doing very important things. He will return. Uh, what am I talking about? Anyway, yeah. so, so... But he will be in the next one. Because, yeah, yes. I was just like, Sean Gunn! Here, where where am I missing him? Yo, he's uh, yeah. he's on set rocket. Yeah. So, but I like that he gets he gets a credit, credit like along with all of the other cast members, right? Like I I, I appreciate that because he does the work. Um, I was I lost it. I lost the thread. Uh, oh, it's a yeah. con, right. It's something about movies being mixed bags, fan entitlement. Oh, right. Okay. So when I come across this like weird, gross fan entitlement, a I find it exhausting. B, I find it very disheartening because that's not, I guess, far be it for me to tell anybody else how to enjoy something. But, like, do you disagree? It seems like these people are really doing fandom incorrectly. Yeah, and two, it's just like, as I say, I use an example of me being like that. And what it came from was immaturity. And a lot of things are you don't even watch them and give them a chance because there's another example, like, and two, this is not about these not being my movies. This is more about a loyalty to a director, so it's sort of a different thing. Some but, of the some of the DC yeah. stuff is like it's like guys. Yeah. I, I don't have any particular lack of respect or or uh, a focus of ire at Zack Snyder, but this is y'all are being fetishistic and weird. Yeah, because to me, mine was more about the Spider-Man series. Like, I have never fully watched The Amazing Spider-Man, the two with um, Andrew no, Garfield. But and, they, have, they have moments, I, for sure. Which I have seen some of these moments in clips when I was told the Gwen Stacy death scene. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen that either. Mm, I haven't seen it. You know but what? If, I, if you've heard of Gwen Stacy, Gwen you know. Stacy dies is not a spoiler. No. But yeah, it is what it is, and it's just like, I saw, you know, a clip, and I'm like, oh, that was actually done really well, and I love Dennis Leary, and he's Captain Stacy. And, and Dennis first... Leary's got some good moments, yeah. and, and, and Andrew like, Garfield's oh. got some good moments, and he and Emma Stone have fantastic chemistry Yeah, they have good together. chemistry, and I like Gwen Stacy a lot more than Mary Jane. In my, in movie so... Mary Jane never really worked for me, even though those Raimi movies are, are for the most yeah. part, gangbusters. The couple of the, kind of a couple of the leads didn't necessarily work for me all that well. Uh, yeah, and but that was the thing. It's like I liked Sam Raimi so much, and I thought they did him wrong. Was the reason I didn't see those movies, but I do well, had they, gone and said, looked at the value of them. It's like yeah. it, what, what it felt like to me is less them doing him wrong, although they they did with Spider Man Three, kind of yeah. like forcing his hand on some creative decisions. Yeah, but I believe he chose to walk away from from Spider Man Four 
and then they made the decision to essentially just instead of trying to figure out a way to continue from Spider-Man 3 yeah. just like own the mistakes course correct a little bit and move forward they basically did the equivalent of like and they flip the table and they're just like well let's reboot it we'll do the same story again 10 years later well and two when they rebooted it they did the lizard which was what he wanted all along right. and with had the, set up with Dylan Baker yeah. across a couple of movies we were we had established Kirk Connors we had established yeah. his one arm uh uh Toby Maguire goes to him with the symbiote in 3 yeah. Yeah, we'd established, and then, and I, I actually really like uh, uh, Risa Fons in that yeah, role. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's like, why you, why, you step on, why you step on Sam's toes, Sony? Yeah, and to me, that was more like, you know, because I think Sam Raimi created, you know, the greatest character, one of the greatest characters of all time up there with Al Bundy is Ash Williams, and so mm-hmm. that's, I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, Al Bundy, Kenny Powers, Ashley. I'm laughing because I disagree. Yeah. I'm laughing just because that's a very uniquely on-brand list. Yeah. Um, Kenny Powers, Al Bundy, uh, Ash Williams. I apparently love you know these characters. I keep so I keep distracting myself. Yeah. So so I hit the mixed bag thing, and I keep mm-hmm. trying to like reorient myself. So I keep hitting that one over and over again. Uh, but the the if there's for me if there's a bright side to this type of like gross fan entitlement that we see constantly, um, and this this is this there's a big range of this, and it's it's everything from this character, I don't think this character would do that, or this isn't the story that I wanted to see, or SJWs are ruining Star Wars, whatever, the, whatever, whatever your <laughs> bullshit is that you're on that day. Uh, it, it, if there's a bright side for me personally, it teaches me not to be that way. Yeah, exactly. It, it really teaches, now some of this stuff, I, I, I feel like I, you should just fundamentally know better like more women won't ruin Star Wars for you. I feel like you should just fundamentally know that instinctively. Some people don't, I guess. But a lot of the rest of this, it's like even if I know that I don't approach things the way this person does in a, in a way that leads to like, let's say, uh, something toxic or combative or aggressive or whatever, even if I know I don't approach it the same way, I try to right. I try to like apply uh, as long as they're not like being belligerent, right? And, like really going yeah. after somebody. You try. I try to like apply a little bit of empathy, and I'm like, well, how did how did you arrive here? How yeah. I don't know. I'm not in your head. I'm not in your heart. But how from every bit of outward evidence that I can I can pull together, I'll like maybe read down the thread a little bit. How did you how did you arrive at this place? so that I cannot approach art this way. You know what I mean? And like, and, and if nothing else, it just reinforces why I want to keep moving in the directions that I'm moving in and why I want to make sure that I'm always uh, broadening my horizons and opening my mind up and just, and just listening because not every piece of art is there for my personal enjoyment. That doesn't mean it's not all there to be enjoyed, but it's not a failure in its intention if it doesn't specifically appeal to Lex Michael, you know? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people could do to internalize that concept a little bit, but every time I bump into somebody who hasn't, it reinforces what what for me is a more positive approach, or in my mind is a more positive approach in myself, if that tracks. I feel like I'm rambling a lot. I hope some of this stuff is tracking. It is. I mean, and that really is it, is like what it really comes down to is, guess what? It's not about you. The world doesn't revolve it's around you. It's not. Art is not created for you. Art is created. Art is created. Home. Yeah. Right. Art is yeah. created. That's it. That's it. Art is created. Now, if again, if it's a corporate, corporate financed piece of art, like, yes, it's created for as many people as they can get to pay money yeah. for it. But it is, it is, 
it's created. It's not necessarily, even if it is a big corporate thing that is there in part to sell toys and merchandise and shit, it's, it's there. You can take it or you can leave it. And they're not, they didn't fail outright because you don't particularly feel like eating this meal. Yeah. And two, and I feel like this obviously, you know, spills over into fandom stuff, you know, more egregiously, but one genre of film that I am constantly defending because, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes is often unfair and, you know, to it is comedy. Rotten Tomatoes just weirdly, it's just weirdly, like, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is kind of useless as a metric. Yeah. Because it's not, I feel like a lot of people still don't know what those numbers mean. And a lot of it too, like, a critic could write the most thoughtful, nuanced review of any movie you've ever seen that it, the most nuanced review you've ever read uh like true just no. reshaping the way we approach art critically like that nuanced and insightful but at the end when they go to put it up on rotten tomatoes they still they have a binary choice and yeah. it's either fresh or rotten and so even if they have so much positive to say if they come down not ready to fully endorse it they still have to give it that that rotten click which skews the perspective of the entire thing well, yeah, and the thing about comedy and the thing about critics, and, you know, that's why I offer Rotten Tomatoes. If you'd like to hire me to review comedies as someone who, and, and this is where I'll say, if you want people to review comedies, you need to come from a comedic perspective. And that is literally all a comedic perspective is. And I feel like most critics, especially those whose reviews are put up on there, do honestly don't have a sense of humor or have a very much, like, you like the British version of The Office, and you like the, you know, Bill Maher, but you don't like anything that is, like, not intellectual. And, and that's right. just what I'll say, is you don't... Uh, my issue is critics come at that like they would approach, you know, Batman v Superman, or, you know, 12 Years a Slave, and it's just like, that's not even the same person. It's so weird that uh, you lump in Batman v Superman with 12 Years a Slave. Well, no, I was just thinking of, like, a dramatic Oscar-winning piece, and that was the right. first one that came to my mind. I'm like, right. these are... Because Batman v Superman is a different level of critics. 12 Years a Slave, a different level of critics. Just like Super Troopers 2 is a different level of critics. And well, the problem, right, and that's, yeah. that's the example that I was going to... Yeah. That popped into my head, right? Like, I think you were a bigger fan than I was. Yeah. But... You know, if you go into Super Troopers 2 with this arbitrary bar set somewhere in your head, like, no one, yeah. I don't, I don't think, I don't think any of the Broken Lizard guys were, thought they were making Citizen Kane. No. I don't think any of them were trying to make Citizen Kane. So if they failed to clear the bar of, like, this is the new Casablanca <laughs> with dick jokes in it, they didn't fail. They weren't trying to do that. You know what I mean? And I yeah. feel like a lot of critics... And I'm really not always... There are some critics, and I'm not going to, like, trash specific people. Uh, there, there's, there are a lot of critics who I think are... They're right from this position of, like, elitist pretension. And more, more the pretension than the elitism is what really bugs the crap out of me. But a lot of them feel like they have this weird arbitrary standard and they're trying to, there are, there are parameters, there's a range, but it's pretty narrow and they're trying to fit everything that they encounter into this box and not everything fits in that box. And just because it doesn't, doesn't mean there isn't value there. Like to use the example, Super Troopers 2. No, again, nobody was shooting for Citizen Kane. No. Nobody was trying to make Schindler's List. 
you you liked the movie more than I did, but I still there were moments in that movie that I thought were genuinely hilarious. Like they they succeeded even for me who didn't who wasn't laughing constantly. They succeeded in their goal enough that they yeah I went in to see a comedy and I laughed out loud a few times. Now maybe you didn't, but it could be because and I don't mean you you did. Mm. I mean oh, like I you, right if you're if you're listening yeah. maybe you saw <laughs> Super Troopers too and you're like this isn't funny this is dumb whatever. And by the way, it is dumb. I mean that as a compliment. Yeah, but if it's you, meant to be right. If, if you're like, it's dumb, I don't like, this is stupid, you dismiss it, whatever, like, it, it just wasn't for you. Yeah, and, and that's why I have so much of an issue on the metrics when it comes to comedy, is because comedy is subjective. And oftentimes, it is judged based on an unfair scale. And like we point out, Super Troopers too. And I know um, uh, Steve Lemie and uh, Kevin Hefferman have a podcast chewing yes. it. So yeah, while you're here, you can listen to theirs. It's pretty funny too. But yeah, they talked about like the critical response. Just you know, even Super Troopers one was shitty. But this year, this time, he goes. They they got a lot more. You know, they had those responses. But then there were some people like. You know, that were very fair. Because, too, one thing that that movie... This might be the only example of a movie that was actually for you. As in you, as in someone who was a fan of that first movie who helped get this made. Right. And, and it did what right. it did for that. Yeah. Right. And actually, so, that that further no. drives home my point, right? Like, if you didn't like Super Troopers 2, you know who I bet really liked Super Troopers 2? The person it was for. Yeah. If you're not a fan of the first one and you walk in and you think they did a bad job with the second one, odds are it's because this just wasn't, you're not the audience yeah. for this. And you don't have to be. And that doesn't mean they failed because they didn't cater specifically to you. Like that, yeah, that drives me bonkers. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, you know, on their podcast, they discuss a little bit about critics and it's like, well, why did you even review this movie? Because if you didn't like the first one, you're not going to like this one, as you said. And, and that really is it. It's like... If you don't like these kind of movies, why do you think that you're going to like it going in? You should not be the person... This job is not for you. As yeah. in... Because most critics, guess what? You get to choose what you get to go to. And that's just all I say. It's like, let's think about comedy critics in a little different light. When I literally... Being actual I don't want to name... I feel like I have to. Yeah. If I cite this specific review, because this is an example that I always give, and I don't want to trash somebody specifically, but there was a review... I'm not even going to name the publication. Uh... Because it's a publication I like. I just, their arts criticism makes me want to punch people. Uh, not them. I'm not threatening anybody. Just like hypothetical people. And I phantoms. people all the so time. I want to scream at windmill. Wind, windmills? Sure. Just stakes yep. that generate windmills. They have a lot of those in the uh, spring, too. What? Um, thoughts. Where'd my thoughts go? They're gone now. Uh -huh. This critic. Uh... Thank you. Uh, I won't even name the publication, but there was a review when Avengers Age of Ultron came out. Oh. And, of course, that's that's another one of the Marvel movies where people's mileage tends to vary a whole bunch. But that's not even the point. I enjoyed most of it. I think it's yeah. so much yeah. better than it gets credit yeah. for. It just doesn't... It didn't work quite as well as it needed to. Yeah. Uh, but the review I read was basically... It basically led with... So when I when I sat down for this movie... I'm paraphrasing. But it's like, when I sat down for this movie, I had no idea what an Ultron was or what Infinity Stones were or what any of that had to do with any of the rest of it. And when I walked out of the movie, I was no closer to knowing any of that. And I'm sitting, I'm reading it, and I'm going like, all right, well, I'm tapping out of this review now. No. Because, like, eight-year-olds understand this shit. So if you didn't understand it to that extent, you made a choice before you sat down to watch that movie that this was bad, and you were going to work backwards from that opinion to, to try and justify that opinion. 
Yeah, and and to be honest, that's how, um, because I really don't care about naming names, Sam Rubin of KTLA, which is the news station I watch, and, and believe me, I watch KTLA, but part of the, one of the things I love is to laugh at how bad Sam can be at his job sometimes, and I know that sounds shitty because I'm also somewhat of an entertainment reporter, but I get a lot of this in my classes as well, is like, it, it's that same sort of mentality, and while I feel like Sam is certainly more fair to comedy, which is why I don't think everything he says is stupid. But when it comes to comic book movies, he always starts off, I don't like these movies. And then it's like, so therefore, I mean, you gave Black Panther a good review, and but that's the only one. And it's probably because you're afraid not to. Because, and it really is, it seemed phony. Because it's like every other movie with a superhero in it, he always starts out, I don't like superhero movies. Why do they keep making these? These are not for me. So you Who, shouldn't the be way, the one reviewing it. You're probably paraphrasing it very yeah. heavily, but that right there, that sentiment informs anything that he's doing. Why do they keep making these? These are not for me. Yeah. But, dude, uh, biggest opening weekend of all time, fastest movie to a billion dollars ever. Clearly, they're for more people than they're not. And if you happen to not be one of those people, A-okay. This... Again, like, my intention was not to make this about superhero movies. It's just it's really easy to use those as an example. Yeah. Because everybody has some frame of reference for it. They're so ubiquitous. Everyone has some frame of reference for them, even if their only frame of reference is, I hate that stupid bullshit. Uh, mm -hmm. But more, they work for more people than not. And by the way, they work, yes, they work for, for children. They clearly work for adults. They work for people who are not that bright. They work for people who are very bright indeed. The notion that... The that, Dr. Seuss of uh, superheroes. Right. Uh, sometimes I watch them with some socks. Sometimes I watch them eating locks. Um, <laughs> locks is good, man. I haven't had locks in a while. Oh, there's a nice bagel place across the street. Hell yeah. Locks party. Um, but uh, uh, I just got so distracted thinking By about locks. locks. Um, but there's got to be something more there right it's not it could i guess you know what mm -hmm. it could it could have made that much money that quickly because everybody's stupid yeah it could have i suppose but i mean we we do have trump as president oh no country, I, so I, that, mean, that, look, that I mean look i mean look cor correlation is not necessarily <laughs> causation i'm yes, not that's saying the both, number one rule yeah. in psychology yeah. i'm proud you Bo know that both yeah. can be yeah. true exactly. uh i'm i'm just saying right like uh uh the other the other part of it though and marvel movies is a good example uh, and I can, I can use this example to kind of work backwards and make my point. Uh, so Infinity War, right? A lot of people, I've heard a lot of discussion about how they didn't feel that a lot of the r romantic relationships in the movie that were asked to invest in, they, they feel that there's not enough there to care about it. I very much disagree, but I understand where, uh, they don't give you a ton, right? Because we only, like with Vision and Wanda, for example, yeah. we only see their introduction to each other in Ultron. We see them having bonded, growing closer, feeling very comfortable, almost intimate with each other uh, in, in Civil, Civil War. War yeah. And then we time jump two years and they're in a relationship. And even if you don't know that Vision and Wanda are a big thing in the comics, I believe if you really want it, you do, you do have to do a little bit of uh, filling in of blanks for yourself. A lot of people can't be bothered to do that. Uh, but if you do, and this is this is my point, I think there is there is plenty there where if you want to engage a little bit, you can you can fill in those blanks. But more broadly, this is a good example. Like more broadly, uh, I've heard movies referred to, and I really like this. I've heard movies referred to as empathy machines. 
um, by by having to fill in some of those blanks, by trying to uh, or by having to uh, make an effort to get a little bit more involved in what the story is, and and try my best to feel things because I want to be as engaged as I can. I want to be as impacted as I can. And sometimes trying to experience it from the perspective of the other characters experiencing it is enough. Sometimes it's like you know, it's putting yourself in the position of the characters trying to make a, a potentially devastating decision, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Doing that, I, I find personally, enables me to, you just discover new facets of your emotional self, I, I guess is the best way I can put it. I feel like it's a very heady kind of nebulous way to put it. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like it's a way to almost train yourself. Uh, uh, it's like train your empathy muscles in a way that for me personally, I find doesn't, then only apply to storytelling, I find that I can then take it away. Like I can take the experience of having new uh, like empathy modules awakened and I can take it away from that piece of art and I can then apply it to other areas of life in a way that I find to be helpful. Before you even respond, if you're going to respond, did that even make sense? I, I think I got where you were going. Because yeah, as you say that... When you have to fill in the blanks yourself, you are learning something new about yourself as you're doing this. And so, yeah, it's almost like a psychological experiment. And I feel like most people need things beat over their head. I mean, because I'm about to shit on my soap fans. I mean, I love some of you, but you're also another toxic fandom. And typically, they tend to go with what is force-fed to them, even though... Like the dialogue will not ma the dialogue will not match the actions, but because the dialogue is what's force fed them, that's what they're going to go with, and they're not going to see anything else. Well, I feel yeah. like a lot of people too, like, and it's not even that people are intentionally lazy or whatever. I feel like we've we've I don't know how this happened exactly, but we've we've gotten so conditioned culturally to expect that if something isn't like hit right on the nose and put in front of us that we're not it's not there at all yeah. we're not supposed to be thinking about it like we don't really some of us do a lot of people don't really read between the lines anymore at all yeah. and then they call it a failing on the part of the text uh which irks me i guess well i mean to bring it back to the fandom that you know i was a part of and at one point considered myself a little toxic is like going back to the green arrow black canary relationship which to me was very important in the comics there are a lot of people yeah. who watch that show that yeah. got very shitty about it well and two it was just like you know again no offense to any of the actors but katie cassidy and Stephen amell did not have chemistry the mm. characters trajectories on the show also went into a direction of which that it clearly wasn't going to work out as in the Green Arrow and the Black Canary that you were going to have in the comics. So when a new character works, why can't you just explore that? It's right. like, you know, and that's why I'll right. say... People got so mad about yeah. the character of Felicity Smoke even existing. Yeah, because of that. And as I say, I guarantee almost none of you were as big of fans as I was of that coupling in the, in the comics... Because most of you are my age and probably weren't reading those comics as young as I was. Oh, not, and again, not I'm not nothing. saying, but... Not for nothing, like, and I don't want to make... Because this is, I suppose, yeah. another another controversial opinion, potentially. Mm. I love Iron Man 3. When Iron Man 3 it's came fun. out... When Iron Man 3 came out, all of a sudden, all of these fans, these diehard Mandarin purists, started crawling out of the like, woodwork. Like, that existed And I before. guarantee you, last week, none of y'all gave a shit. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and that really is it. Is like, why are you, why are you mad? Like, because believe me, as we're saying, right, that's the yeah. fan entitlement thing. Like, not for nothing. There is a before we even got to the broader Arrowverse, where yeah. now if you can dream of something from DC Comics, you can see it on television, unless it's Batman or Wonder Woman, I guess. Batman uh, is on television. He's just a little boy. Uh, you're right. I mean, like within that within that yeah, universe, exactly. right? Um, yeah. Uh, what are you going to be mad about? The fact that not every single teeny tiny facet works exactly the way it worked on the page. You're really going to complain about that? Well, that's one thing I'll say. is like, I really like to shout out the Gotham fans. Because people that are fans of that show, because I realize it can be rough sometimes. Is like, people that are like, you know what? I'm open to new stuff. And I want to see what's working. Because like, Dr. Lee and Jim Gordon's relationship are now like, you know, the Riddler-Penguin stuff. And Barbara's transition as a character all of that came from the response of people, like, not enjoying certain things and it going another direction that because of the actors and because of the writing and the fan response just wound up working. Right. Like, yeah. I watched... I'm a, I like love, Felicity. I right. Mean, yeah. Like, I love Batman, but I watched enough of Gotham yeah. to go like, all right, I don't think this version is for me. But at the yeah. same time, the longer the show runs and the more I hear about it, I'm like, you know what? This still doesn't necessarily sound like it's for me. But clearly, they're going for stuff. Like yeah. they're just they're just going like stuff that sounds bonkers to me. They're just taking big big swings. So you got to commend them for that. Yeah, and and I'll bring back another thing because it's a movie and a TV show, and now a character on another show is Constantine. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that you know. Well, you're welcome for getting him on Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's all you. Yep, definitely. Uh, but, yeah, like that's my favorite comic book character of all time. I was so married to this character. Love it. But I love that Keanu Reeves movie. because Because it is a good movie, and it is the Constantine comic in a way, but his, Keanu Reeves is still Keanu Reeves, and this is no insult to his acting. This is someone who worships the ground he walks on. Right. But he is not playing John Constantine, even right. though the name is John he's Constantine. He's playing, he's basically, it's like, it's John like, Wick. I mean, it's yeah. kind of, yeah. It's basically, it's closer to John Wick, or it's basically just like, you know, the Keanu Reeves, yeah. somber Keanu Reeves type uh, in a, in a, I was going to say a John Wick story, in a mm. Constantine story, but the rest of it around him, it's still a great, if you're looking for it to be a literal translation of the character, you'll be disappointed. But if you can put that aside, it's a really cool, like, uh, supernatural comic book noir story. Yeah, it's, it's a very good movie, like, just in general. And that's what I say, is like, I was someone who loved, and I was just happy to have that on screen, because to that point, no one else knew who John Constantine was. And then the show, subsequently, like, Matt Ryan played the perfect version of John Constantine, but a lot of the stuff around him couldn't be as Constantine-like. And they didn't let him be yeah. scuzzy enough. Yeah, and, and it's just like, he couldn't smoke, so that was odd. But at he the still, same... He can't smoke on the CW, can he? He did. Can he? Yeah. Does he? I missed it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well, why isn't he smoking? You know why I missed it? Because he's not smoking in every scene. I know. And if, and if he doesn't, that's okay. Smoke. But I want. I just smoke. want him to smoke in every scene. I want him to just fill the Wave Rider with noxious fumes. Yeah. You know, Nate's all about the noxious fumes with the other one. Like, if anyone else on that ship but Mick can breathe, uh, he's not smoking enough. Yeah. But, yeah, that would be awesome. But, yeah, that is the thing. is like not everything about these iterations of these, you know, shows or movies about this character was at all what the comics had intended. But guess what? They did it well. 
they, and I enjoyed right. it. And, it's never right. Yeah. It's never even the what it's about. It's the how it's about that thing. Yeah. That that really makes it's it's execution. It's, it's so much more execution than concept, which you'd think would be a no brainer. But then you also get people who like you you give them a title or a very general premise, and they'll scoff at the very notion of it. Yeah. Just well, right on its face. Well, like, I mean, how long did it take Ryan Reynolds to make Deadpool? And then Deadpool became, like, a huge sensation. And because no happened, one took it seriously. Right, and that only happened because yeah. either he or Tim Miller leaked that footage. Yeah. We don't know who it was, but it was pro- it was almost certainly one of the two of them. Exactly, and that's what's sad. It's like, but this, and it, it was very much like the character he always wanted to do, not like the stupid X-Men Origins one. Right. But yeah, and then you have stuff like like Spawn, for example. We're going to get a new Spawn movie that apparently Spawn is not the main character. It's interesting. But I what liked the original at, movie. Weren't they looking at Jamie Foxx? For yeah, Jamie Foxx Fox maybe playing um, Simmons. So yeah, and, and who eventually com- becomes Spawn. And who in the first movie, was it Was it Michael J. White? Yes. Okay, and like John Leguizamo was the clown? Yes. Wow, I haven't seen that movie in a long and time. And it's a good movie, but so many... Spawn purists, which, again, have y'all had your spawn, zombie spawn since you were a little girl? Do you have a spawn shelf in your house? Right. Probably not. But I loved that movie. Right. <laughs> uh, but see, right, but it's like, but like you say, like you can yeah. you can see the ways in which it doesn't align with maybe your quote-unquote ideal version, hmm. but you can appreciate the elements that are successful. And now I can't speak to how much of Spawn I find successful because I saw it so many years yeah. ago. All I remember is the clown head like melting. Yeah. That's it. I don't even know why it melted. It's a very good movie. Like, much like the Constantine movie. It's like, yes, it wasn't exactly like the dark comics. And I will say HBO actually has a Spawn cartoon that has a lot more of the characters. And I think the new one is going to be doing more of the ancillary characters, which is great. But, um, yeah, like, the HBO cartoon is good, and some people would say better than the movie. I think the movie still does it justice in a way and and got a lot more people interested in buying this stuff. And, you know, because as I say... The best thing about Spawn was that it was written by Tom McFarlane, who also makes a lot of badass toys. So yeah. every time there was a character, came with a toy. And you know it wouldn't mm-hmm. be a shitty toy either. We're not no. talking about like McDonald's Happy Meal quality toys. We're talking about like top dollar, like this is a statue, bitch. This ain't a toy. I know. I like, I still play with them. You're right. Yeah. You just make your statues fight each other. It's yeah. like, these are so heavy. Uh yeah. But so, yeah, so, like, I, we're, we're going on a ton of tangents, and I feel yeah. like it was these were kind of broad concepts, but I, I feel like, yeah, I, I guess um, if I could stumble through trying to put a point on it, it's a combination, it's, it's allowing, for me, it's allowing art to be, I guess to reuse the term uh, empathy machine, it's allowing it to be the most impactful, effective empathy machine that I can allow it to be. It's about attempting to really do the work to engage with art that isn't fully successful in all of the areas it shoots to be successful in. That doesn't mean it is uh, deserving of outright derision, scorn, or dismissal. I feel like it really, doing a combination of that, engaging with the stuff that works while acknowledging the stuff that doesn't, uh, while also trying to make an effort to engage in a way that allows you to fill in some of those blanks for yourself and get the most out of the story, I feel like you're... I'm only going to speak for me. I feel like I'm flexing critical thinking muscles. I feel like I'm flexing empathy muscles. And then when we also talk about the fandom side of it, fans that that behave in toxic ways or overly entitled ways, ways that uh, quash or inhibit fun, productive, connecting conversation. It is a reminder to me that that's not how I want to do 
fandom. I want my fandoms to be embracive. I want my fandoms to be inclusive. Above all, isn't this shit supposed to be fun? And that's yeah. what drives me up a wall about uh, toxic fandoms or about entitled fandoms or about people who who will only engage with art, movies, television, store, any kind of stories as a binary. There's so why why are you choosing to have so little fun with this thing? Yeah, it's called entertainment, folks. It's supposed to entertain you. Right. Mm -hmm. And by the way, now, it is designed to entertain you. If it doesn't entertain you personally, that doesn't mean automatically that it's garbage. But it is designed, it is intended, ideally, to be enjoyed. Yeah. By whoever happens to stumble upon it. Yeah, and two, if you're not enjoying it, it's usually not the movie's fault. It is, you know, it's not me, it's you, it's you. Right, And, and right. Right. Like there are plenty and there are plenty of movies that I recognize are very well put together that just don't do a lot for me. And yeah. vice versa. There are movies that I'm like, this is a mess and I love it. Yeah. Uh, I love Roadhouse. Road how could you not love Roadhouse? I, I know. He, he like he like rips the dude's throat out with his hand. I know. I mean just keeps like Dalton is the bad guy, but that's what I loved about eighties movies is usually the main character that's supposed to be the hero is really the bad guy now. And it's so funny because it's just and that's what was enjoyable about eighties movies. Because it's like um karate kid. You watch that now, that kid's a dick. <laughs> oh, uh, the Ralph Macchio kid? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I know. I need to watch Cobra Kai. I hear it's good. People are really yeah. liking it. I know. They've even got another season. Yeah, good yeah. for them. I know. I hope to enjoy that one day. But it, but, is it, but does that yeah. all make sense, right? Like, like, does that seem like it's a it's a somewhat cohesive way to put a bow on the co- because we we I talked so. about we we said we're going to talk about the bright side of bad movies, and this really did become a, a combination of the two things that you yeah. and I had, had tossed around because uh, we also talked about the fandom thing. So I guess this is a way to hit both of those points. And hopefully in my rambling, I tied the two things together cohesively enough that people aren't going to come away going, I have no fucking clue what the point was. Yeah, they could, but you know what? It's, but you know what? It's yeah. not for you. Exactly. Ha <laughs> no, um, um, no, but, um, but I guess for me, it's like, honestly, it's like, it's like, it keeps me engaging with stuff that is, that is a mixed bag, uh, actively engaging with it and, and actively making an effort to open myself up to it and receive it while at the same time also really interrogating how I approach my fandom compared to the way that certain people who are objectively shitty about it do. I feel like all of it is like, like it keeps me honest in a way. Like, and I don't, I don't necessarily know a better way to put it than that. Like, I feel like it keeps me intellectually and emotionally honest when approaching this stuff that I love. Yeah. And I think that is a good point is like, that's all you really need to do is be intellectually honest. Am I approaching this in the right way? Yeah. And and by the way, there is no one hard right way. There are ways that are more conducive to a fuller experience than others, I guess. And that, yes, broadly speaking, I would agree. That would mm-hmm. be the, the quote-unquote right way. But that also, that, that'll vary person to person. Like, there's no, my right way might not be yours, and we might still get maximum enjoyment out of it. But it's about looking to engage as much as you can because that's how you're, you're not going to get the most out of it if you're not actively looking to engage and you're not bringing some of yourself to it. Like I feel like, and I, maybe I go a little overboard. I don't know if anybody else will agree with this, but I feel like when I, when I pay my money to go see a movie, I feel like my job as an audience member is to do 50% of the work, like a full half. If I'm not doing a full half and the movie didn't work for me, 
it could be that the movie wasn't very well put together, but it could just as easily be that I wasn't doing my job as an audience member engaging as fully as I should have. So, yeah, all of that. So it's, again, like, that, and that's another example of a way in which just using all of these other things, a lot of the negativity, a lot of the casual dismissiveness as a mirror, it it keeps me, yeah, keeps me honest, keeps me focused on the stuff that actually really helps me enjoy it and helps me, because it, it, look at how long I've been sitting here with you rambling. Clearly, I get something out of we sharing. We do this, this all the time. Right. Like, this is just the first time we're recording it. Right. Like, you know, you know, and I know this is true for you, too. Like, we get a lot of personal mileage off of sharing our enthusiasm yeah. for this stuff. And so it's like, how can I approach it in a way that I get the most joy out of it but then also I can in turn share that joy and enthusiasm with other people I can't do that if I'm approaching any of this in an entitled way I can't do that if I am trying to pigeonhole a specific work into a into a box it doesn't fit in I can't do that if uh, an element of a movie doesn't work for me and I dismiss the whole because of a part so it's for me it's all about yes intellectual and emotional honesty for my own sake but then also how can I uh create, internalize, and share as much joy and love and enthusiasm for all of this goofy shit that we like so much. Because that's the point, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's what I got. You're, you just kind of looked at me and it's like, are you done? That sounds like a you're, you're done lilt at the end of that sentence. Yeah, I know. I was like, that seemed like an ending. And, and that's normally what I do is I just sort of let the guests sort of end. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, like maybe that's maybe we should call it because oh, you right know, now. I'll go. We'll be uh, we'll yeah. be here for another week. Yeah, I'll or just we find... used to stand outside for hours just blabbering on. Yeah, about yeah I'll this find shit. new stuff to talk about, man. Yeah. Like you just let me. I'll talk about. <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing jeans today. The bright side of wearing jeans is they fit. They protect me from elements. I know. We'll we'll have to make those different episodes. <laughs> but this does give me a lot of good content because sometimes I get lazy about asking people to do this because it's usually like, yeah, oh, well, somebody want to talk about stuff. But yeah, bright side of jeans coming. Soon. Bright side of get different designs, different yeah. styles to suit your mood and your, and, your, and your personal brand. Yeah, different colors. Yeah. Sometimes it's a blue jeans day. Sometimes you're like, I don't want to. I don't want to rock the like blue denim look. I want to have some like casual. I got like gray jeans on. Can yeah. like match with just about anything. It's good I know. Shit. I like gray jeans. Technically, if I fall down, I'm not really worried about like scraping my knee or anything. <laughs> it's very comforting. I don't know, and I'm like, I can even have a short episode that was just that. So thank you for like providing <laughs> at least enough like commentary on your jeans there for like almost a whole little little mini segment ah, on the bright side of jeans. The but bright side. is there a dark side of jeans? I guess there if are they dark don't, jeans. If they there are dark jeans, but it's like if they don't fit. I guess if there's a if there's oh, a yeah. downside to jeans, if they fit you poorly, they're very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yes. Like but, those H&M little jeans like that don't yeah, fit humans. Anybody. Yeah. Mm. Um, so if there's if there's a dark side to jeans, it's when they don't fit. But if your dun, jeans dun, fit... Dun, 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 dun. That's the sound you have to make when you're trying to you're put on you're pulling on pants that don't fit? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, just like people stick their heads in. Like all your neighbors suddenly like pop into your window and they're yeah. judging you while they do that. Uh, that's horrifying. That's really scary. How did they, how did they like get my window open? I thought it was locked. Why do I have a window? Or do they just smash through the window like with their heads? Like the first oh, guy yeah. please, just got like glass covered in his, it's like all over his face and your other neighbors are behind him. Nobody's acknowledging that this person's got glass in their face. <laughs> they're just doing the Imperial March while you try and pull on your face. <laughs> uh, anyway, yep. so this was fun. This is fun. Thanks for, thanks for having me. All hopefully right. uh hopefully your audience uh uh will take will take the good with the bad 
Yeah, hopefully. Um, hopefully you know, they if you're didn't listening, feel, Tanya. Hopefully they didn't feel entitled to a better show from me, because I could have told you that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, no, that was, that was fun. That, I think that was fun. I think I made a point in there somewhere. There were some points, definitely. Oh, that reminds me of a bad joke before we ended um, that my brother wrote. Was, uh, you know why uh, Pinhead was the leader of the Cenobites? Why? Because he made a lot of good points. On, on that note again I did write that just like I apparently have to say I did not write those Ricky Williams jokes that I posted on Twitter earlier that he liked um, Jared also wrote those but doesn't have his own Twitter and needs to understand that crafting a joke is more important than crediting him at the time sure wait um, what him threatening him then crediting him crediting him I was like wait now, now Jared's like writing threatening jokes like he's like pointedly attacking people through mm, you through me yeah now wow. we love Ricky Williams and I love how they're like yeah you, you knew who that was I was like he's also a pothead as well as a former NFL player so guys that'll do it that's yeah. like the intersection of multiple fandoms I know my at least of my fandoms uh, but yeah I was like oh where was that point going yeah where can they find you on social media oh okay <laughs> like, I have that speaking of potheads I, I have that uh, if, if you want to tell me all about how uh, you didn't like a point I made so the whole thing was bad uh, <laughs> I am all over social media at the Lex Michael I also am I supposed to plug the other thing do yeah plug, feel free plug to things? plug all sorts of things do I plug things well I, uh, I also wear jeans sometimes yeah. uh, so I'm gonna plug those shout out to my jeans uh, I also do a podcast uh, with Tari J. Miller. It's called Missing Out. Uh, it's about it's about art and it's about media. It's about culture. It's about experiences. It's about how these things shape the people who we become and why they resonate with us the way that they do. Uh, we call it the retrospective that's introspective because we cute like that. Yeah. Uh, we got little mini episodes that drop every Monday. We call them Missing Out Mondays and it's a little short form thing about what we've been digging for the past week and our full episodes drop every Tuesday. You can find them wherever podcasts are available. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean. I think there are more. There are more. If There are more platforms. If I'm forgetting some, we're probably there too. I, I know. I've got to put stuff because they just keep, new platforms just keep popping up like Anchor. The Anchor. Yeah. I know now we, we're on Anchor and you can send us uh, some audio messages through Anchor if you're if there's something you're digging that you think other people are missing out on. We've actually had some people starting to do that, which is super cool. Uh, also, uh, the show Twitter is at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, come, check it out. Uh, we have a lot of fun doing it. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're there. We're there. We hope to mm -hmm. see you there with our ears because that's how that works. Yeah, that, that is how that works. You did. You've done that show with us. Uh, yeah. You've done uh, that show with us a couple of times. Yeah, a couple of times. I did the, this, the Arrowverse. We did. We did a big, like, CW, because it was around when they did their big crossover, crossover. this year. That was Crisis so on Earth good. X was yeah. really good. Uh, I've said it before. Crisis on Earth X is my Justice League movie. Oh, mine too. Because to be honest, parts of Crisis on Earth X, I will say the emotional moments got me even more than, say, in Infinity Wars. Oh, I definitely yeah. I definitely cried more the first time through Crisis on Earth X than I did the first time through Infinity War. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you also did, the first time we had you on was uh, this past October, we did a horror month, and we had you on to talk about Jason Lives, which yeah, was fun. Yeah, which is my favorite Friday so the 13th. Yeah. go, yeah. even if you can't stand yeah. me, go check out those shows for Lucretia. Uh, <laughs> discover Tari if you haven't already. He's a treat. Yeah, he is. He's delightful. And uh, yeah, go, go, check it out. Uh, we love you. We hope, we hope to hear about you being there we won't see you you're yeah. not like physically there with us but maybe one day you will be you yeah. don't know unless you listen we'll no. have a studio audience you don't want to admit if i just one day blurt out tari's home address on the show and he doesn't cut it out 
you won't want to miss that. Yeah. So so check out check out missing out. All right, guys, and since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-D-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet, since there is only one. See you next Tuesday. All right, thank you guys so much for listening, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get them in your feed every Tuesday, and it has been every Tuesday. I've been doing a lot better on actually releasing these and getting them out to you guys on time. This one probably will even come out midnight but yeah i digress again subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you have it on and if it's not on your app let me know and um be sure to rate us five stars and leave a review and if you uh write a review i will read it on the air just like i did with tanya and um thank you so much tanya again um this episode was for you We are actually telling you that this one was for you. Unlike if you listen to the podcast, some people think some movies are. But this one, we did it for you. Yeah, again, thank you, Tanya, and anyone else out there listening who've been yammering for me to get Lex Michael on here. It did happen. Now all we have to do is get Frank. See you next Tuesday.